outstanding ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. Wrestling fanatics, I'm back. Ring announcer Sean Beckerman back with you to present the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast that is taking the IWC by storm. This is Beyond the Bell, powered by the SNS Radio Network. This is your home for all things retro in wrestling, and we're back with more classic professional wrestling and sports entertainment for you fans. And this week, we'll rewind and relive some world-class memories as we look back at the milestones of world-class championship wrestling from the year 1984. This is our third installment. The previous two look back at the years 1982 and 1983 as the WCCW Milestone Series looks back at the history of world-class championship wrestling in chronological order of the monumental moments and the historic changes that WCCW made in the professional wrestling industry. But first, it's time to go behind the mic. Wrestling fans, this is where we take you backstage behind the scenes to give you an idea what it's like to be a professional wrestling ring announcer on the independent wrestling scene. So courtesy of Barbershop Window, the place where they make wrestling t-shirts cool again to wear, since we're talking WCCW here tonight, why don't we rewind the opportunity I had to announce a former WCCW competitor that actually wrestled in 1984, the year we're looking back, during the world-class milestones, Jake the Snake Roberts. Again, another special opportunity for me to announce one of my favorites of all time. I mean, I remember sitting front row watching him in Madison Square Garden. He didn't remember, but I brought it up to him backstage when I saw him about the time when I actually went backstage in Madison Square Garden. This is when it was a little bit easier to go backstage at the time if you had a friend that worked security that can get you into the back to see the wrestlers. I'll tell you a story, I'm sure, later on about when I met Shawn Michaels when he was a rocker and meeting Bret Hart. But I had the opportunity to meet Jake the Snake Roberts in the parking lot in Madison Square Garden when I was about, say, about six, seven years old. I remember him him asking me for the picture if he wanted him to take out Damien out of the bag. I remember being so scared. He actually had me touch the bag with Damien in it. I felt it moving around. Freaked me out. I said, no way. Mr. Roberts, I'll just take a picture with you. No snake, no Damien. I was so freaked out from the snake. The snake was bigger than me at the time. So I mentioned that to him when I saw him go backstage for this independent wrestling event that took place in New Jersey. Uh, he laughed and, oh, yeah, those were the days, yeah, yeah, you know, in his raspy voice. But Jake was polite, seemed out of it. Don't get me wrong, of course, arrived a little late before showtime. But I was able to do a backstage vignette promo with him. It wasn't the stellar blackjack promo we all know from Jake. But he definitely made made the night as we received some high attendance. I think there was about eight 800 to 1,000 people, which is pretty good for an independent wrestling event. But... Jake didn't seem too quite with it, you could say, but not bad enough to where the match was decent. It flowed. It actually had an ending. Um, He didn't do any random sleeping, napping, didn't yell out any comments. But Jake was a character, and it made a mark, or he made an impression on me because it, it marked a monumental moment in my professional wrestling ring announcing career. Jake, one of the greatest of all time, was one of the greats for me to announce to the Squared Circle. So courtesy of ringannouncing.com on YouTube, here is the audio of my opportunity announcing the snake, Jake the Snake Roberts, to the ring. And this is the point. Oops. Oh. 
world-class fans, it's now time to look back at the year 1984 in the history of world-class championship wrestling. We'll start off the year on a very sad note, as 1984 marked the death of David Von Erich. Early in the year, February 10, 1984, the professional wrestling industry lost one of its most promising young superstars when David Von Erich died suddenly at the age of 24 in his Tokyo hotel room. David was to begin what he deemed an important tour of Japan, as rumors were spreading rampant within the industry that David was going to win the NWA World Championship sometime that year in 84. Apparently, the NWA Board of Directors would wait anxiously to hear the reports of David's latest tour before deciding his championship fate. This was during the time when a committee decided who was going to be the next NWA World Champion. David's death was initially speculated to have resulted from either food poisoning, an injury sustained during a match in Japan, which was untrue as David had yet to wrestle a match on this specific tour, or, as reported in Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer, a drug overdose, although this remains unproven. The cause of David's death, however, was officially ruled as acute enteritis, which is basically inflammation of the intestines, which is to believe to be stress-related. If left untreated, this condition can become fatal and apparently did for David. Brother Kevin stated David had complained of feeling ill for several weeks prior to his tour of Japan. Of course, on a personal level, the Von Erich family lost one of their dearest and beloved members. Professionally, world-class championship wrestling lost its most popular superstar, at a vital time when the industry would see its largest surge in popularity. Many speculated that the very successful world-class championship wrestling organization would eventually fall into capable hands of David, who would then join the new breed of multi-generational promoters, which included Mid-Atlantic's Jim Crockett Jr., Vince McMahon Jr., as pioneers who would lead the industry into the next century. David was supposed to be among them. Inside and outside of the ring, both. David had inherited his father's acumen for the business. He was negotiating deals for products that were new to the business at the time, like action figures, t-shirts, videos. Those close to world class have stated that Fritz relied on two vital people when tough decisions had to be made, wrestling veteran Gary Hart and David. He possessed an eye for wrestling talent, bringing in such world-class superstars as the fabulous Freebirds, Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, the Irwin brothers, Gino Hernandez, and others at different times throughout his tenure. David was also gaining influence within the National Wrestling Alliance. He was highly respected amongst the Alliance's board of directors, more specifically Florida's Eddie Graham, for whom David worked as a heel during 81 and 82, Sam Mushnick in St. Louis, and Giant Baba in Japan, as well as current and former NWA world champions Harley Race and Ric Flair with the latter two stating that David surely would have become the NWA World Champion had he lived. After David's death, World Class held its biggest card on May 6th of 1984, entitled The Parade of Champions, which was dedicated to the memory of the fallen warrior. Over 32,000 fans packed Texas Stadium to witness David's younger brother, Kerry, capture the NWA World title from Ric Flair. Over 32,000 fans witnessed this monumental moment in not just world-class history, but Von Erich family history. They also witnessed his father Fritz coming out of retirement to team with his sons Kevin and Mike to capture the world's six-man tag team titles from old rivals the Fabulous Freebirds. Sung before the memorial card was a touching tribute song, Heaven Needed a Champion. While world-class would still have another two years of substantial success, neither the promotion nor the Von Erich family ever quite recovered from the death of David. In an industry where fans like to debate the what-ifs, we want to do that here at Beyond the Bell, we certainly have in the past, one can only speculate how different professional wrestling would be today if David lived. Would Crockett hold the reins of the NWA world title for his Mid-Atlantic promotion? Would World Class eventually join both the WWF and NWA as professional wrestling's elite promotions? 
could several more Von Erich family tragedies have been averted or prevented? David's death continues to be felt today, even in an industry that has experienced mind-boggling numbers of deaths since that cold February morning. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you one of the great stars of the Johnny High Musical Review in Fort Worth, Texas. She's only 12 years old but has a tremendous talent, and she's here to introduce to you the brand new song written in memory of the great David Von Erich entitled Heaven Needed a Champion. Her name is Miss Jill Lloyd. Jill? Did the things a lesser man might not have ever done A tornado from the Texas plains You came and changed our lives Now you're gone With the Lone Star State in blazing On your battle tards proclaiming you A native son with strength and love and pride You're a morning star that shines For one brief moment in eternity And all too soon God called you to die Thank you. Thank you, Jill. 
Now to everyone. In 1984, we saw the red-hot feud between Terry Gordy and Killer Khan. At the first annual Parade of Champions, like we mentioned before, on May 6th, WCCW fans were introduced to Killer Khan, new ally of the fabulous Freebirds, when he attacked Fritz Von Erich following the six-man tag title match between the Freebirds and the Von Erich family. However, Devastation Incorporated, their leader, Skandar Akbar, would soon align himself with Khan, which ultimately led to a violent feud between Khan and Freebird Terry Gordy, with Akbar proudly stating on WCCW television that he had stolen Khan from the Freebirds. Freebird Michael Hayes interrupted Akbar's interview segment, stating that Khan was just a friend of Gordy's and that Khan was free to do whatever he pleased. Akbar, after insisting that Hayes was not intelligent enough to hold on to Khan, was attacked by P.S. Khan came to the aid of Akbar and placed the dreaded Oriental Spike on Hayes. That dreaded Oriental Spike fans. Gordy was enraged, as the Spike could have ended Hayes' singing career. Oh, what a tragedy that would have been. And since Gordy had been responsible for bringing in the feared Mongolian terror... He was personally going to take care of Khan himself. Undoubtedly, Khan was Gordy's. What resulted was a series of brutal clashes, including one memorable, you could say even jaw-dropping wild match at the Sportatorium on August 3rd, which ended in a double disqualification and a 10-minute pull-apart brawl involving nearly all the other wrestlers on that evening's card. Go back and look at that feud, that that battle. The feud between the two was just excelled that night. The Freebirds would leave World Class after Labor Day 1984 for a brief abortive stint in the World Wrestling Federation, for lack of a better term. Not much success there for the Freebirds. But Gordy would return alone in November of that same year in 84 to resume his feud with Khan and Devastation Incorporated before then rejoining his fellow Freebirds in Florida at the start of 1985. Well, Kerry Von Erich moving in, waited for Gordy to give up on the Oriental Spike, and he didn't do it, had to pull him out of there. And Khan lying on the mat, trying to get his breath back, trying to get his blood flowing again into his system. Trying to get up in 30 seconds, and then a count of 10. As a Texas death match, and this one certainly appropriately, there's the 30 seconds, and here's a count. Now listen to the crowd count. from behind and now Kerry Von Erich has a battle and the Gordy's entered in the court of the league battering against Kerry Von Erich Kerry in the league and Khan is up but now it's going to be a war with a referee the special referee and here comes Gordy and here comes Khan out on the table on the floor here beside us and now Gordy in the lake square off and it is Gordy who squares away and clears the ring with the help of Kerry Von Erich that is sort of a victory celebration and now Kerry Von Erich meeting the lake with a chair and the lake is gone The Link trying to find somebody to crash into, and here comes Khan back. But I think Kerry and Gordy have pretty well cleared it out now, although Khan is still making some effort. Well, Khan coming back. Scanner Eckhart waiting for them, missing Link right here. Looking as though he wants another bit of it, but it has been Terry Gordy and Kerry Von Erich who have clear the ring how these two of Devastation Incorporated and now Kerry Von Erich has something to say Hey boy you finished the match at the seven count 
In my opinion, referee's opinion, Khan would have been down the full 10 seconds. Terry Gordy is the winner. Terry Von Erich raising the hand of Terry Gordy in triumph. A battered, a bleeding, a maimed Terry Gordy. The winner, and look here, Terry Von Erich sticking out his hand, but Gordy just looks with a question. They're the past, long time, old enemies. The Von Erichs and the Freebirds, and the Freebirds says no way. And Kerry Von Erich walks away. And the crowd reacts. A nice gesture on the part of Kerry Von Erich. A nice gesture as Kerry leaves the arena and Terry Gordy looks at him. There goes Kerry, the special referee. Oh, Kerry, uh, Terry's, hey, coming. Terry's coming you over here. get to know boy you're playing Art, this week. Uh-oh. I think we've got the old nemesis, the war between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. Looks like they're ready to go after it as Gordy. Gordy sticks out his head and puts it. Terry Gordy was going to tear into Terry Von Erich with Terry. Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Sticks out his hand in friendship and fellowship with his former old nemesis, Terry Von Erich. And we'll be back with more excitement on World Class Championship like we mentioned earlier as well, Fritz teaming with Kevin and Mike to battle the Freebirds at Texas Stadium in 1984 was another special moment in World Class Championship Wrestling. Leading up to the Parade of Champions, the first ever event in May, like we said, the Von Erich Freebirds feud showed no signs of letting up, but there was one problem. With the recent death of David and Kerry gunning for Ric Flair's NW World title in the card's main event, Kevin and Mike were a Von Erich short to compete against the Birds for the six-man tag team titles. It was announced prior to the big Texas Stadium Supercard that a special partner would join Kevin and Mike for the big six-man bout. At various times, it was teased to be Dusty Rhodes, Tommy Rich, Bruiser Brody, and cousin, quote-unquote, Lance Von Erich, a role for which no one would be cast for another 18 months. Those people might be joining the Von Erich brothers for the contest. Finally, family patriarch Fritz came back to the ring to address the situation during interview in Fort Worth for Championship Sports and was confronted by an irate Michael Hayes, who had demanded to know the third member of the team. Fritz stated to the cocky Freebird that the mystery partner would be the next person to hit him, right between the eyes, then laid a hard fist to Hayes' head, much to the delight of the crowd at Will Rogers Coliseum. The six-man title bout was itself non-stop action, loaded with blood and foreign objects. Fritz, wrestling in his first bout in nearly two years, was heavier and slower, but could still brawl with the best of them. The match concluded with Fritz applying his famous iron claw to both Hayes and Gordy simultaneously, while son Kevin hit Buddy Roberts, who it was later pointed out was not the legal man in the ring, with a cross body block off the top rope to win the title. Uh, being a little kid, watching Fritz von Eric Russell was pretty tough but when, when he's your dad, because I can remember uh, uh, me, Dave, and Kerry sitting behind the cheesecloth in Fort Worth, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of hidden from the people, but not really. We can see out, but they can't see in. And I remember watching my dad up there getting beat up by the, the baby face, you know, he's beating him down. And we were, tell me when dad's winning, we couldn't look, you know. We, it, was ter- it was so hard to do, terrible for a kid, you know. <laughs> Watch your dad up there begging, or not begging, but, you know, getting beat up by a guy, it's terrible. When I was a kid, I actually, uh, my dad said I could sit at the TV table and watch him wrestle Dory Funk. Uh, Terry Funk. It was on TV in Fort Worth. And so I went down to the TV table, and uh, so Funk kicks Dad out of the ring. Dad goes to come in. He won't let him back in. I'm thinking, this is not fair. He won't let Dad back in the ring. So uh, I couldn't stand it. I jumped off my chair. I jumped in the ring, went running in after him. And, you know, no one knows what to do. So he kicks me out of the ring, you know. So uh, now we're fighting, so I'm coming back. You know, he kicks me out again, and the cops held me back. But it's too much for a little boy to, to contain himself, you know. The Von Erics, America's first family of wrestling. Their story is one of both tremendous achievement and tragic loss. 
Now you're invited to share their memories with the first complete story of the Von Erich family as told by Fritz and Doris. The Von Erichs, a family album. You'll enjoy the life of each family member. Fritz. Doris. Jackie. Kevin. David. Carrie. Mike. And Chris. With over 200 photos compiled from personal family albums, you'll learn how the family has grown through the years, both at home and in their professional careers. Be with them as they reach superstardom in the wrestling arena, while overcoming tragedy through their courage and strong Christian belief. To order, send $13.95 plus $2.50 handling, a total of $16.45, to Von Erich's Family Album, Post Office Box 57589, Dallas, Texas, 75207. Buy now in time for Christmas. The Von Erich's Family Album is the perfect gift for your favorite wrestling fan. Order today. We mentioned it at the top of the show during the untimely death of David Von Erich, but we saw some bright spot come out of this tragedy as Kerry Von Erich wins the NWA World Championship in 1984. Like we said, that fellow date, May 6th of 84, the Atkinson family and WCCW held its first annual Parade of Champions. The main event of the card was National Wrestling Alliance World Champion Ric Flair taking on David Von Erich's younger brother, the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich, for the world title that David seemed to be destined to win before his untimely passing. After the opening notes of his own theme song, Rush's Tom Sawyer, Kerry entered Texas Stadium to what had been David's entrance song, Tanya Tucker's Texas When I Die. He wore a royal blue velvet robe made by his mother Doris, reading in memory of David on the back. In what was David's trademark, Kerry brought with him to the ring a single yellow rose, which he kissed and threw to the adoring crowd. Due to the excessive heat, the temperature on the field peaked at 100 plus degrees. The actual bout, clocking in at just under 13 minutes, was considerably shorter than the previous Flair Kerry Classic confrontations and did not begin to measure up to their classic best-of-three-falls bout on August 15th of 1982, nor the Christmas night cage match from the same year. However, in terms of the pure, raw affection and emotion displayed by the over 32,000 fans at Texas Stadium on this specific day, this particular bout became an instant classic, and no one will ever forget it. It's Kerry. Flair with the tight gets a knee in the midsection. And goes Kerry. Flair under the rope. And it's a iron claw. Kerry Von Erich with that patented, unique Von Erich iron claw. No one else can do it like the Von Erichs, and Flair is paralyzed. Look at this crowd. Listen to them. David Manning warning Claire about that blow which she just delivered to Kerry Von Erich. Both men on their knees. It's hot in that ring out there. And this is the toughest bout probably either of these men will ever be in. Look out. The champion climbing carries on his feet. Grabs him. Takes him out and throws him across Texas Stadium. Kerry with the drive, the champion in the corner. Clear upside down, falling back. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Kerry with the right. Step over toe hold the carry puts a stop to that by kicking the champion away. Another step over attempt and carry knocks him away a second time. Here's Flair from the ropes wants to toss carry across. Carry's got him. Here's the Nelson pin. Two, three. Thank 
Although Kerry's title reign was seen as a gift to the Von Erichs and was never intended to be a lengthy run, it was a belt that was highly coveted by the Von Erich wrestling patriarch Fritz, of course himself a former American Wrestling Association world champion, and by Kerry's late brother David. Kerry only had the belt for 18 days before losing it back to Flair in Japan, but in those 18 days, Kerry had an exhausting schedule running basically every single night from Texas to Oklahoma, Florida, Japan, all over the entire United States, Kerry traveled defending the title. You know, it's always a thrill to have a new world champion. And this handsome, muscular young man sitting next to me has man that defeated Ric Flair. He is Curry Von Erich, the new world heavyweight wrestling champion. Curry, congratulations on your tremendous victory over Ric Flair and welcome to Championship Wrestling from Florida. Well, thank you very much, Coach. You know, it's always a great honor to be here in Florida. But it's even a greater honor to have the world heavyweight title. You know, I know now that coming into Florida that I will be facing the toughest and the finest competition in all of the United States. And we're looking forward to it because that's what the world title is all about, going against the best every night. Thank you very much, Kerry. I'll be looking forward to having you here for the first match. Kerry's title loss took place in Japan, like we said, but it should be noted that the NWA board did not seem to care as long as Kerry lost the title back to Flair before Rick's May 24th encounter with Ricky Steamboat at the Meadowlands Arena in New Jersey, which I was their very young buck for. And at the insistence of Jack Atkinson, in order for World Class to limit the amount of times the loss would be shown on its programming and allow them to even put their own spin on things, like, for instance, Flair allegedly winning back the title due to an incompetent sumo referee, which was obviously false, as the highly respected Japanese referee had done the officiating and the win was perfectly clean but there was an excuse for the title loss unfortunately this would be the first and only nwa world title win for Kerry and the rest of the von eric family when lance left japan i had gotten a really bad concussion and was in the hospital and uh this is kind of hardcore but i'm gonna have to tell you anyway 
So I'm in the hospital, and uh, I'd only been in there two days, and they wanted to keep me because, like, I'd had a really bad concussion. They thought they were going to lose me, you know. And so uh, the guy, the doc, uh, dad comes into my room and says, uh, Lance just left Japan, just left. And I said, he said, it's going to cost our office $213,000. I said, damn, Dad, what are we going to do? He said, Kev, you're going to have to go over there and, and take Lance's spot. And the doctor said, Fritz, if he goes over there, he'll, if they kick him in the head, he will die. If he gets hit in the head, he'll die for sure. Because I had a, like a, um, I just gotten a concussion that gave me like a hematoma or contusion or something like that. A bad, con really bad concussion. And so um, I went over there and wrestled in Japan with that concussion. And uh, um, I really couldn't believe Dad was asking me to go over there because I was thinking, man, I, you know, we're talking about dying here, you know, and so sure enough, the first night I'm over there, I'm always on last, and I had the world title or the WCCW world title. We're over there, and uh, so I, they had me on third. Third, I was always last, and so I thought, what's with this, third? So I go, I said, okay, I'll just go home earlier, you know, I'll be on the bus and meet the boys, you know, so great. So I go out there, and before, oh, they stopped me before I go to the ring. They wanted me to weigh. And they never weigh in. It was like boxing, they ne we never weigh in. And so I weigh in, and, you know, they look, and I was uh, a little over 225, maybe uh, 104 kilograms, 105 kil. Everything's in kilograms over there, you know. And so I think I was 104 kilograms is what I was. And so I hear all this Japanese, oh, oh, and what is going on here? And so uh, I get to the ring. And there's this skinny guy in the ring that's got the boxing gloves on, little things on his feet, you know, and uh, and he's taking them off, you know, and uh, it's, they're calling it a world championship match in Japan. So I'm thinking, what in the hell is going on? So I go to the ring and I say to the guy, uh, um, what do you want? You know, uh, how much time and all? Have a good match. That's all I said, you know, and so I go to the ring. I mean, I go to my corner to take my ring jacket off, and I'm just thinking to myself, Japan, you know, you never know what you're going to get here. So I'm taking my ring jacket off. I drop it down it's by my elbows, and next thing I know, I'm draped over the top ropes. And, I, I mean, I've got my ring jacket off, evidently, but it's just hanging onto one of my wrists. And I'm draped over the top ropes, and I'm looking at all the front row, and there's all these little kids, and I'm thinking about, Oh, look at those beautiful little kids, you know. And then I thought, oh, I've been knocked out. I've been knocked out. I couldn't. So I checked everything, made sure I had feeling everywhere, and I turned around, and there was that guy, that skinny little guy, you know, that that turned out they were weighing us because they were going to make us, we were going to, like, it was going to be for my belt, you know, and this guy was one of these shoot, kick, kick boxer guys, you know. And so, uh, he didn't kick me hard enough because it knocked me out. But uh, I came to, and um, and I, I just I said to him, "You should have killed me." And so I walked towards him, and I mean I was real so and and and, and so I and he tries to kick me, and I just turned his foot and made him go to his stomach, put his knee his ankle behind his knee, and leaned back on it, and I just felt it snap out, and I just took his knee right out, and I. I said, you will remember me, yes? You will remember me now, yes? And so uh, so I went to the, uh, and that, the, wrestler, the referee's pulling my hair out, you know, trying to jerk me off this guy, and the, all those little Japanese guys are trying to get me out, out there, and I went in the back, and I was all mad, and, uh, and the reporters were all in the dressing room, so they said, this is a bad thing, this is hard, but they said, uh, they said, ask me about it, and I said, just like Pearl Harbor, he attacked me from behind. I said, just like Hiroshima, I win. I thought, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that because that was too strong. But I was furious, you know, because they just told me I, I could die if I got kicked in the head. And I did get kicked in the head, didn't die. And I, it dawned on me, this guy just tried to kill me, you know. 
it would have made him a superstar over there to kill me in the ring, you know, and made me hate Japan. Not that I hate them, but I hated it that day. I hated them that day. I just wanted to fight that whole country that day. Shortly after Kerry's loss, Jim Crockett Promotions took control of the title and its champions, which would cut off Kerry and his brother Kevin from any further title reigns and make getting title shots a tougher task more than ever before. And then this would eventually lead to the... Well, ultimately, you could say lead to World Class to withdraw its membership from the NWA and declare its own world title. In the summer of 1984, we saw the Chris Adams heel turn. Soon after the blow-off match, which temporarily ended the feud between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds, a shocking betrayal opened another historic chapter in the annals of WCCW history. During a tag team match, the very popular gentleman Chris Adams turned on... This tag team match pitted Kevin and Adams against the team of Gino Hernandez and Jake the Snake Roberts. Sunshine's aunt, Stella Mae French, who had been feuding with Gino Hernandez, attempted to assist the Adams von Erich team, but her interference backfired, costing the popular duo the match. Manager Gary Hart, who had recently begun managing Adams, became very upset with Stella Mae, and a physical confrontation then started. Kevin attempted to calm Hart down, but Hart grabbed Stella and was about to strike her. Ever the popular hero, Von Erich punched Hart for his abuse of Stella May, and when Kevin turned to face Adams, he was met with a super kick to the chin. Adams walked out of the ring with Hart, despite the pleas of both Stella May and the fans. Hernandez and Roberts used this opportunity to destroy the fallen Von Erich after dumping Stella May over the top rope and out of the ring. When Adams joined up with Hernandez to form the dynamic duo shortly after this incident, their ensuing war with the Von Erichs, more specifically Kevin, you can say, proved to be nearly as intense as the Von Erich Freebird rivalry. This would lead to Chris Adams laying out Kevin Von Erich at the Cotton Bowl. This more so flowed into the rest of the year, the, the incidents that took place in the summer. Therefore, in the fall of 84, world-class planned to have Chris Adams, like we said, continue his heelish ways. The problem, however, was that Chris was then World Class's most popular wrestler other than the Von Erichs. Most popular superstar was Chris Adams at the time, as opposed to your beloved Von Erich family. The turn had not quite taken hold yet in the fall, but it appeared that World Class would need a stroke of genius to turn its fans against the gentleman. However, however, though, with one stiff chair shot on Saturday, October 27th of 1984 at the Cotton Bowl would convert Adams into a full-fledged heel and reignite world-class championship wrestling in the process. The main event of the first annual Cotton Bowl card was scheduled as a world-class six-man tag team title defense with champs carry Kevin and Mike, putting the prestigious trophy on the line against Adams, Gino, and Jake the Snake. Kevin and Chris wrestled earlier in the card in a captain's match, which remained purely scientific, with Kevin winning using a bridge. After the bout, Kevin offered to make amends with Adams, provided that Chris parted, parted company with manager Gary Hart. Provided that Chris parted company with manager Gary Hart. However, when Kevin turned away from Chris, Adams nailed him with a wooden chair. While Adams stated in later years that it did not seem to him that he had hit Kevin particularly hard with the chair, Kevin did suffer a legitimate concussion from the blow. As WCCW referee David Manning called frantically for an ambulance, and Kevin lay on the mat with blood streaming from his head after the attack, ringside fans, especially the young females in attendance, were in hysterics, crying loudly, The gentleman has turned his back on the fans officially. He was now the true heel in WCCW. Chris? Here's the microphone. I'm leaving it up to you. Make your own decision. And Chris is certainly thinking it over. Very hard up on the roof of the ring. And Kevin Von Eric hits from behind by Chris Adams. And having the stare on Kevin Von Eric has gone absolutely crazy here. And Gary Hart now looking around, and he wants to get out of here. Kevin Bonner is smashed in the back of the head. Blood running down 
from the back of his head. He has been terribly hit from behind by Chris Adams, Terry Von Erich in the ring, David Maddox in the ring, and Kevin, Kevin lying on the mat here in front of us as Jerry Hart seeks to escape. And escape, this is a word because because the fans are infuriated. And undoubtedly, Chris Von Erich is somewhere about wishing to get Gary Hart's scalp. Anybody, we're going to need an ambulance. Anybody, we're going to need an ambulance now. I am sorry to say that from my point of view here, it would appear that Kevin Von Erich has received a very severe blow to the head. The fans, Gary Von Erich's around, some of the fans trying to come up to help, but David Manning is there, Kevin is conscious, Kevin is conscious, his feet are moving. Listen, you can hear some of the uh, discussion there. Kevin's saying his feet and hands are burning. Now the Von Eric, the Von Eric uh, bodyguards are here, the police are up here, and I think they have sent for an ambulance. This is David Manning, but there's no feeling, and undoubtedly a concussion would cause that sort of reaction, so I don't want to bring you to a point of the worst that we could possibly think. At this moment, he is injured. There, I've called an ambulance. There is an ambulance on hand all the time. Of course, the first aid and Cotton Bowl and other major stadiums. And that's fortunate because right now, as Chris Adams came across the ring with that wooden chair, which is lying in the ring right there. As the ambulance drives on to the floor of the Cotton Bowl here in the state fair in Texas, we'll take a break in first aid to the stricken Kevin Von Erich. Struck in the back of the head by Chris Adams in the match after Kevin has won it. Paramedic. Specially trained for this type of first aid. Lonnie, they're going to go to Baylor Hospital. Preparing Kevin to take him to Baylor Hospital in And of course, his injuries will be diagnosed there. Huge crowd stunned by the severity of the attack of Chris Adams on Kevin Von Erich. Now Kevin Von Erich wheels to the emergency ambulance and in the best of first aid from the paramedics located in the state fair of Texas. So here's the results of that nationally behind the back attack to Chris Adams, a former friend of Kevin Von Erich, striking Kevin from behind with a wooden chair. And now the paramedics moving Kevin into the ambulance and on to the hospital where his injuries will be diagnosed and he'll receive the aid that's necessary to put him back in shape to back in that ring and wrestle some more. Stunned fans watching their hero, Denton County, Texas, Kevin Miner, taken to the hospital. The Cotton Bowl, the State Fair of Texas, for his bout with Axel Putri. And the Legion of Fans welcoming in a man from St. Louis, Iceman, King Parson. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Barbershop Window, the brand new official sponsor of Beyond the Bell. They love wrestling and they love t-shirts, so they combine the two 
in order to fulfill their goal to create shirts that wrestling fans enjoy and will want to own and wouldn't be embarrassed to wear to a bar. New shirts are released every week, and all past shirts can be found in the overstock bin. So go to barbershopwindow.com, where they make wearing wrestling shirts cool again. Squared Circle Media, Jerome Willen, provides audio and written content based on the latest in professional wrestling. Associated with Wrestling.com, Ringside Digest, and the Camel Clutch blog, Squared Circle Media is for the true wrestling fan. You can reach them at squaredcirclemedia.net. Ringannouncing.com, the official website for the future of ring announcing and beyond the bell host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. This is the place where you'll find all the latest news and multimedia related to host, broadcaster, and podcaster, Sean Beckerman. So go to ringannouncing.com now and follow the future of ring announcing. Stitcher Radio is an on-demand internet radio service that focuses on news and information radio and podcasts. It's available on all smartphones via the iTunes App Store and the Android Market. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web. From domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. With more than 10.4 million customers and over 53 million domain names, GoDaddy is the leader in web development. SNSRadioNetwork.com is the home for all things related to professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, and video gaming. Catch the latest news on all three topics, including the Benchmark Show, Wrestling News Live, Sunday Night Showdown, The Pro Wrestling Rewind, The Elite Force Podcast, Why, and of course... Beyond the Bell with host Sean Beckerman. SNSRadioNetwork.com. If you're not listening, you're not trying. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com with the header advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time. Well, fellow old school fanatics... That wraps things up for another edition of the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast we all know as Beyond the Bell. We closed the books in 1984, the world-class memories of WCCW. We saw the death of a Von Erich, but we move on in the history of world-class as we move forward to 1985 in the coming weeks here at Beyond the Bell. Connect socially to BTB, like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter at Sean Beckerman, Listen to all archive shows, download them, right-click, save as at www.ringannouncing.com and at snsradionetwork.com, the two archive homes for Beyond the Bell. Stream it live at Stitcher Radio for all smartphones, the iTunes App Store, and Google Play for all Android devices. And stay tuned as TuneIn Radio will be another avenue for you to listen to Beyond the Bell in the coming weeks. Quick programming note, fans. This Week in Wrestling will be returning in the next few weeks over at snsradionetwork.com. Stay tuned for JJ All Cap Sexay for updates on when This Week in Wrestling will return and what show on the network it will be carried on. Don't forget to go to our official YouTube channel under the name Ring Announcing where you can see all videos related to myself, Ring Announcer Sean Beckerman Announcing, audio demos, commercials, as well as complimentary videos that fit our themes here at Beyond the Bell. Look for a special WCCW Milestones playlist that will be coming out over the next few weeks, which will complement our weekly themed shows dedicated to WCCW. Alright, wrestling fans, we'll wrap it all up with some old school music. We mentioned it earlier, the entrance theme for the late David Von Erich, sung by Tanya Tucker, Texas, When I Die. We will finish it out with that memorable theme here this week on Beyond the Bell. So fans, stay tuned to ringannouncing.com and snsradionetwork.com for any future news related to Beyond the Bell. In the meantime, I'll see you next week as we go back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, ring announcer Sean Beckerman, signing off. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, I'll see you at the matches. When I die, I may not go to heaven.
If they don't